fuck you. That's my name. <laughs> I made Rachel watch it. Well, I started watching it and she just happened to be near me and she's like, God, no more karate movies. I'm like, why? <laughs> They're fucking awesome. So I started watching Double Impact yesterday <laughs> and I'm like, I still have to watch My Samurai, so don't fuck with me, lady. But then I got all my weird movies and I want to watch them instead. I'm really frustrated right now because Shout Factory is finally releasing Raw in the United States. Oh, yeah. But Love they're it. not... There's no information on what special features it has. So I'm like, are you guys just releasing a bare bones? No, it'll it'll have some. It probably hasn't been finalized yet. Well, I think it comes out in March. So they do have a little bit of okay, time yeah, left. But... They'll, they'll tell you in like the end of February. But point. like I want to pre-order it, but I'm not going to pre-order it if you guys aren't going to tell me what I'm getting. I'm not going to just buy the exact same Blu-ray again. I, I want to know I'm getting something that I don't already have. Yeah, right. I'm sure it'll be, it'll have something cool on it. They're pretty good. Yeah, they usually are. Did I tell you I got both editions of Ninja 3 The Domination? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I did. It turns out the Blu-ray DVD combo only has like a quarter of the special features of the collector's edition. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which is just the single disc Blu-ray. So that one has all these extra features and it's got the uh, different box art. So I was like, well, shit. <laughs> I, I found it. it for the same price as oh. that one that you sent me. Oh, weird. So I was like, well, fuck it. Now I got to have them both. I got the collector's edition. Mine was $5 when I got it, though. They they had like God a, they damn. Had a crazy sale that year. It's a deal, man. Yeah, that was I, I jumped on it immediately. I love that fucking movie. Still, nice. I've been watching it for 30 fucking years almost, and I still love it. Still love it. I, I watched it with my kiddos the other week, and I fell asleep. Oh, no. It was super late, and I was like, God damn it. I love this. This movie's amazing, and I'm falling asleep. I had been up since, like, you know, 5 o'clock in the morning. It was Friday night, and we didn't get started until, at like, midnight, maybe oh, no. later. Oh, yeah, that would do it. Yeah, by the time it was halfway over, I was like, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I got to go to bed. So Ollie and Storm just finished it without me. Have you seen the first two? Nope. Enter the Ninja, nope, Revenge of the Ninja? No. Still haven't seen them. You told me I didn't need to, so I'm I'm cool with it. No, as far as, far as like plot-wise, no. I don't feel like I'm anything. missing anything when I watch it, so. Oh, you're not. They, they have nothing to do with each other. Show Kazugi <laughs> is in all of them. That's it. Yeah, he's the ninja, right? Yeah. Yeah. The good ninja in, in Ninja 3. Oh the, oh, the good ninja. Yeah. Okay. He plays the bad guy in the first one, though. Well, the bad ninja. <laughs> what the hell kind of logic does that make? Because it's, not, it's uh, not the same character. They have nothing to do with each other. It's just a Japanese spaghetti western. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And in the first two movies, the ninja's sworn enemy is a white guy in a suit and tie, So, hmm. which happens in all of the American ninja movies also. <laughs> Good old American ninja. What's up? This is Sharks Across Hollywood, and we're doing something a little different this week. We're going to do a Patreon preview is that what we want to call it? This is something we're intending to do for the Patreon, but we're we're throwing our first episode out there for all you proles to to nosh on and and tear apart like the fucking animals you are. And this was your idea because I'm not that clever. Uh, so what what is the intention of this? What are we trying to do here? I had a title for it and everything when I when I got the idea, and then somewhere in the gestation period, I lost the title. <laughs> so at this point, I'm just calling it 2021 the 13th because uh, throughout the year 2021, every month we're going to review one of the canonical Friday the 13th movies because there are only 12 of them. How fucking lame is that, that they couldn't go all the way on Friday the 13th and do a 13th one? But yeah, so 
throughout the year, every month, we're going to release one episode where we do a deep dive into uh, specifically, I want to focus on talking about the kills and talking about what makes each movie distinctively Friday the 13th, because, you know, not all of them do. Some of the stuff is throwaway stuff. Some of the some of the movies are kind of throwaway movies. But uh, I'm, I've been in love with Friday the 13th ever since I was a little kid and I didn't even know what it was. And then Shout Factory releases this amazing box set of all the Friday the 13th movies. And I thought, hey, man, what a great excuse to buy a really awesome box set. <laughs> So here we are. And even if even if you don't like the Friday the 13th movies, you should still get it because the box art's fucking beautiful. Yeah, As with most Shout Factory things. Shout Factory that if if you like anything, you know, movie related, Shout Factory's the way to go as far as like cover art and posters and stuff. Indeed, they put out a nice package. They're not quite on Criterion level, but they're also putting out not quite on Criterion level <laughs> films. So, I think they put together some nice packages. What would be really nice is if we were able to get a sponsorship deal out of this which we won't but hey fuck it you know whatever i like their blu-rays and i'll keep buying them and they have sales every once in a while so that's and you know because it's all overpriced criterion's overpriced vinegar syndrome is overpriced fucking a but yeah yeah mvd is one that nobody seems to know about nobody ever talks about that but they sell their $40 DVDs or Blu-rays around Christmas time for $12. So get on that. But, you know, I'll say this. I'll say this. I really like getting premium quality Blu-rays and DVDs, if only because when I sit down to watch the movie, I don't feel like I'm having to sit through 20 minutes of commercials before the movie. You know, it's like when you pay for a premium Blu-ray or DVD, you pop that sucker in and you get the movie. You get the Scream Factory logo first because we buy a lot of horror movies, so it's mostly screen yep. factory <laughs> or criterion or vinegar syndrome whatever you know whichever you're buying from you get the nice logo and then boom you're at the movie and uh and i like that i will say um shout factory did release one movie i can't remember which it was and they threw a couple of commercials on the beginning of it and i was fucking pissed <laughs> when i saw them i was like god damn it i did not buy a shout factory blu-ray to get goddamn commercials was it an earlier release of theirs do you know i don't remember which i don't remember which movie it was otherwise i'd I'd tell everybody to avoid it (laughs) but the movie was good i I remember coming away from it being like well at least i feel like i got a good movie out of it you know (laughs) well at least that's something so we're doing the first friday the 13th movie right from the original directed by sean s cunningham who never made a horror movie before this in his life and it kind of shows i'm i'm not (laughs) i'm not even entirely convinced that he ever watched one before Well, as my understanding is that the mandate was handed down to him by somebody or or whatever that uh, Halloween had had hit big. And so let's do that. And so he was like, all right, yeah, let's do that. And then they gave the project to who's the screenwriter on that? Oh, fuck, if I can remember. Oh, fuck, man. You're the you're the one with the names and shit. You're the guy I go to because, you know, I'm shit at that stuff. Victor Miller. See oh, the screenwriter? Yep. Don't know who the fuck that is. But. Well, I watched all the special features or at least the ones that I had time to get through the ones on the unrated disc. And uh, yeah, like his take was someone was like, hey, Halloween was big. Let's make a horror movie about teens getting slashed up. So I was like, all right, I can do that. And he sat down and he wrote it. I guess it wasn't even called Friday the 13th. It was originally called Bloodbath at Camp Blood or something something like that. (laughs) 
or nightmare at camp blood something along those lines suffice to say he very readily recognized that it was a terrible title and that retitling it friday the 13th was the right move at least he knew that but i would have loved if it was called even camp blood or something because they do keep on referring to crystal lake in the movie as camp blood so what we're going to do during this thing is i want to go through kills i mean we'll go through the story like we normally do in a regular episode we always you know kind of track our way through the story and then i want to pause and take time with each kill to really get into them and uh and to give our thoughts and I don't know about you, but I rated every kill on style, presentation, and gruesomeness. Uh, yeah, I didn't do that, but I I'll complain. <laughs> I'll, co- I'll complain a lot, so don't. <laughs> Granted, well, maybe... I I don't have much to complain about because it was 1980 and Halloween wasn't super violent and gory, and they didn't really get super rough with it until after this movie came out. Yeah, that's true. By the next year, everything had started to change when not only were people trying to be Halloween, but they were trying to be Friday the 13th as well. And then they just made the same movie three times. And by the same movie, I mean Friday the 13th, Friday the 13th Part 2, Friday the 13th Part 3, which had the 3D gimmick. But if you read the synopses for each one, same fucking movie. <laughs> well, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna disagree with you on that. I'm kind of saving that for my final thoughts. Okay. <laughs> but... I do not agree with you that it's the same movie one, two, three. I think I think each one kind of has its own flair, and this one in particular, uh, for obvious reasons. But we'll get into that later. All right. So let's break it down. Do we want to set the scene? Set Camp Crystal Lake, nineteen fifty-eight. Is there anything? You think there's anything significant about that year? I don't even know what happened in nineteen fifty-eight. Did something happen that year that the guy like had to set it then, or was it just a convenient year in terms of uh, making it distant enough from nineteen? 1980 and yet near enough at the same time yeah probably that yeah just convenience i don't know i don't know actually let's email him let's ask him well he was 18 in 1958 so maybe that was just a special year for him are we talking about sean cunningham or victor miller victor miller okay so if he was 18 in 1958 then by 1980 he was 40 damn we have some old motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah, they were both about in their forties when they made this movie. Holy shit! And he's still around. That like that. Wow. He's got to be in his eighties now because I just turned forty-two and I was born in seventy-nine. So yeah, he's got to be in his early eighties at this point. But yeah. then you know, hey, my grandma's in her eighties, so I guess it's not that weird. That's weird to think that someone of my grandmother's generation wrote this movie. To the kids listening out there, someone of your great grandma's generation wrote this movie. So we open up in Camp Crystal Lake, nineteen fifty-eight, <laughs> with a wannabe Halloween opening uh that is pretty shameless oh my god and it is so fucking annoying i'm glad i never had to go to camp because these fucking idiots are singing some of the worst campfire jesus freak songs i fucking each other to gospel songs that was all i could think of i don't even know what the fuck song they were singing but the two characters who are eyeballing each other are named claudette and barry (laughs) seriously yeah i never got a name i just what did i write down yeah, I didn't write down any names because I wrote down the names of every character that we met and their names are never mentioned during the movie. So uh, subtitles said that Claudette was a thing and then she kind of <laughs> they're making out and off screen. You can hear her going, oh, Barry. Ooh. Oh, OK. So the subtitles just like threw a name in front of her dialogue. Yeah. When she was off screen talking. OK, so you just straight up cheated. All right. Oh, yeah. I use subtitles because my dogs are loud. I'm eating <laughs> chips or something something people are constantly talking to me i'm fucking yeah did i tell you why i don't use subtitles like 
at this point. Is it because, because of that time you got high and you thought you yeah. were fucking... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got high. And the whole time, it just felt like I was watching that brief intro or brief outro to a TV show. <laughs> it just fucked with my head. I can't, I can't even consider doing it at this point. Even though I am a little hard of hearing and consequently, I always have to fucking blast my sound to the point where my kids are like, Dad, could you please turn that down? That is way loud. You know, you need you need subtitle practice. Just watch a show like Community or something that you've seen a bunch of times and you know and just throw on the subtitles and just get used <laughs> to seeing them there. Yeah, I don't know. My my vision isn't great either, so oh my God, you know, man. Like, I, I don't old. know how much that's going to help. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely uh past my peak for shizzle. <laughs> you're, you're like that fucking oh, that old dog from Fievel Goes West. You're so far over the hill, you're at the bottom of the other side. <laughs> I'm not that bad yet. I'm still, you know, I'm I'm on my way down, but I feel like I'm still near the top. And yeah, I did just make a Fievel Goes West reference. Not even yeah, not fuck. even the good one, not even American Tale, just the second one. Fuck you. Fuck you for that reference. <laughs> I'll bust out some rescuers down under on you. Also the good one, the sequel <laughs> to a sort of boring movie. Not not to say that American Tale is boring, but the first rescuers movie is not that good. I do love them both. But yes, if you watch them side by side, the first one is definitely more boring than the sequel. Yeah, Down Under is the way to go. Shit, for we're sure. getting sidetracked. As we always do. <laughs> yeah, except I'm actually trying to stay on point this time. <laughs> well, let's get to the first kill because, or first two kills, because yeah. it's disgustingly uninteresting. Yes, these are overall pretty boring, pretty unremarkable kills. And what was his name? Barry. Barry gets stabbed in the gut, by the way. Below the, the killer, camera. Yeah, below below camera. So we basically only see the aftermath of it. We don't see the actual stab. And then, uh, what was her name? Claudette? Claudette. She gets killed Cla- by bad slow-mo and a freeze frame. That's what I said. <laughs> yeah. Like, for all we know, she's still alive, because we never actually see her die. Except we hear later that two kids got killed back in 58, so I guess, you know. 59, because it was a year after Jason died. No, Jason died in 57. Did he die in 57? Well, technically, he didn't die. Oh, well, yeah, that's... As we end up finding alert. out in the sequel, but they don't say that. They do say that he died in 57. So then what's her fucking problem then? I don't know. Maybe he maybe he died and then she was able to revive him, but he was like severely brain damaged or something. I don't know. Well, we'll they don't really explain it. We'll talk about that next month. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, yeah, I rated the style on both of these kills as a two out of three. And the only reason I gave it that high of a rating is because it's technically the first two kills of an extremely iconic horror movie. And having the kills be kind of throwaway is actually sort of iconic, you know, within the Friday the 13th legacy, because there are so many throwaway kills in this series overall. So that's the only reason I rated the kills as high as I did. So I'll I'll come up with my own system here for these two specifically. Let's say one to 10 Kumbaya, my Lord songs, 10 being the worst because <laughs> I hate that song. They get 10 Kumbayas, both of them. <laughs> fuck these guys and also they're super annoying so i just kind of yeah that's the other thing is like i never connected with these characters at all in any way like we don't get anything from them other than the fact that uh what was his name again barry barry <laughs> barry is a lying piece of shit because uh bedelia or whatever the fuck her name was claudette but close enough yeah might she as well says be. to him what does she say to him there at the beginning Something is marianne like, or somebody uh, as, as good of a kisser as me or whatever yeah he's like i've never kissed he's her. like how would i know he totally knows oh he does that fucking liar i mean yeah. look at him so fuck him and honestly fuck her just because because who gives a shit? 
<laughs> like, who gives a shit about these two characters? Nobody. Nobody. It's just to let us know we're in a horror movie right off the bat, which honestly, they sort of could have skipped. I understand the whole idea of setting up, you know, the ancient evil or, or the evil that happened at the location in the past. They're setting that up. But I guess the reason I'm tired of that is just because it became such a trope. And by the time I was old enough to start paying attention, it was already a well-established trope. So it's just like I never gave a shit about those two characters. Oh, yeah. It's in it's in every movie. Even when I was like conceiving my own horror movies, I'd be like, you got to have that opening scene that really just sets the tone for the rest of the movie, which this kind of does, but not really. You're, yeah. You're trying to set the tone for 12 movies. Well, they weren't trying to set the I tone know. for 12 movies. They were trying to set the tone for one movie. And I guess it probably worked in its day. But yeah, as far as presentation goes... These kills were not impressive. I gave them a one out of three. I was thoroughly underwhelmed. May have worked at the time. Has aged like milk. As far as gruesomeness, I gave the guy a two out of three because getting stabbed in the gut seems like it would really suck. It's a horror movie. He should know. Don't try to have sex with chicks. Ever. That's true. He should have known better. But, you know, at the same time, he didn't have the background of, say, a Scream character. You know, like, Scream character, I don't feel sorry for them at all if they get killed. But, you know, <laughs> this guy, this 1958, Psycho's the only slasher movie that's ever come out at this point. Maybe it hasn't even come out yet, you know. So I got a little bit of sympathy for him in that respect. Uh, as far as Belinda goes, beautiful Belinda. I'm Cla- buying Claudette. a bauble for Belinda. But Belinda's better anyways. Claudette. That's a fucking horrible name. Was it Claudette? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I hate all those names where it's like very obviously your dad's name. And then he was like, but I'm going to throw et on the end of it to make it a girl's name. Yeah. So yep. I, I'm against naming children after people in your family anyways. In general, I am too. Yeah. Uh, I think the only exception is if your name is George Foreman. Or if they're like dead and they have kind of a fun name. Better be a really fun name in order for me to approve of it. Or at least a good name. Not like... I'm going to name you John after your grandfather. What? At the same time, my son is named after his uncle, but that's because I didn't get a say in what his first name was going to be. My ex-wife was like, I'm fucking naming him that. And I was like, God damn right you are. Because <laughs> you were pussy whipped. <laughs> All right, let's move on from these two very not interesting people to move on to the rest of the not interesting people. Wait, what was her name again? Claudette. 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 Yeah, Claudette, like gruesomeness zero we don't because we don't know yeah yeah like who knows who cares yeah let's move on let's Uh, cut to friday the 13th 2021 or you know 1980 it just said the present it did say present day i'm saying which that this takes place friday the 13th 2021 all right well present day so i just said this chick walks like a huge nerd because she's just like her feet are like sticking out she's walking like a duck she's like bouncing like she's just having a fucking good old day and i think her name is annie i believe yes annie and she definitely looks like she just uh could not be happier about the way her life is going so of course as a middle-aged man i'm thrilled to see her get killed yeah when we meet her she meets a dog so we we already like her because she's super happy and she's like talking to the dog and she's like oh being nice to it and shit then she makes her way into this diner and she's like hey guys where's camp crystal lake or how far and everybody's everybody does that thing that they do and they will eventually do in every horror movie ever until like where, the year 2000 when these tropes kind of started to die where she might as well have walked in and said large marge sent me yeah exactly they're like <laughs> you're going to camp blood and, then, and she's like yeah i guess and then some old guy who should be super creepy helps her you're out you're all gonna die 
<laughs> we're not there yet. <laughs> oh, oh, you're talking. I'm talking, talking about, about the dr- the guy who gives her a ride. Oh yeah, that that fucking super creep who like grabs her ass when he hoists her up. Yeah, and yeah, and like, or excuse me, into his into his truck, not van. Yeah, not not a van. I know I know where your head was at though. But before they do, before that does happen, we meet the guy whose name is Ralph. He would be the harbinger, the guy who says you're all gonna die. But he says it like he's fucking Swedish or Danish, and he's like you'll never come back again. He says it like that. It's really weird. <laughs> yeah, he had a really bizarre cadence, didn't he? Yeah, like j- just the, just that delivery. line. And the rest of it was kind of okay, but like just that <laughs> line, it was real weird. This wasn't Cunningham's first time directing a movie, so I don't know why he. What did he direct before this? Um, stuff that nobody has ever heard of. I think. Well, see. maybe he didn't learn anything, and then for all intents and purposes, it was his first time directing don't, a movie. Don't you mean for all intensive purposes? Don't make me come through this microphone and smack you with my dick. Here come the tigers, which is a bad news bears knockoff kind of thing. Okay, so he was the king of knockoffs then. Manny's Orphans, whatever the hell that is. That was a parody of Little Orphan Annie. He did direct Deep Star 6, but which that was, was after a, this. Which was a ripoff of Leviathan. <laughs> <laughs> which was a ripoff of the abyss if i'm not mistaken i could be wrong on that one though and he has two upcoming product products projects one called the music teacher the other one called incubus incubus sucks i know it's not the <laughs> band but i just had to throw that one out there pardon me while i burst into flames yeah pardon me while i listen to better fucking music I fucking hated the 90s Ugh. anyways they I guess i didn't hate him at the time i just hate him in retrospect uh, i, I missed some of the things in the 90s i'm not so sure the 90s the first part of the 90s was super weird and trying not to be the 80s but then after that once like 96 97 came around its personality just kind of disappeared yeah i guess what i really don't miss is that whole late 90s era 97 yeah basically as soon as i got married the 90s started sucking really hard i'm gonna blame that on the <laughs> 90s not on the fact that it was a horrible marriage that never should have happened in the first place when you edit this you'll probably want to you know, <laughs> cut that part out the sad sack nonsense <laughs> <laughs> anyways so annie after this guy tells her you know you should quit you should quit and he, they have like this two-minute conversation about hey you should oh quit. yeah yeah like, so no yeah after the to. creep <laughs> ass hoists her into his truck they have that moment though where he's like oh that crazy ralph he's he's not helping your boss out he's just being a creep and then he's like hey by the way let me be a creep and do say all the exact same shit ralph was saying on second thought maybe he's right yeah it's like well you just did a full 180 in the space of about four seconds there didn't you bud yeah and then do you notice where he dropped her off at it was right in front of a cemetery yeah isn't that weird i feel like they're trying to tell me something i realized that uh friday the 13th takes place in new jersey because only new jersey has cemeteries no because the cemetery says something something new jersey oh the big arch over the cemetery says you know whatever the name of the cemetery is and then the city and then new jersey no wonder they're all so happy to get out into the woods just trying to get away from that toxic waste yeah toxic avenger hadn't come out yet so it wasn't cool yet which is probably why the water was bad that first time they tried to reopen camp crystal lake because of uh tromaville right across the lake yeah the river just the o- fuck? just other side of the lake that would be funny i wish this was a trauma movie now <laughs> anyways let's meet the fucking star of the show who isn't actually the star of the show but he's the best actor in the movie besides betsy palmer of course kevin bacon and his two dumb fucking friends ned and marcy that's right marcy ned and kevin bacon who uh, i i'm just not even going to refer to as jack because yeah. fuck that he's <laughs> kevin bacon 
And like, I can't watch this movie and think of him as Jack. No, and you know, the best part about him is that he was Kevin Bacon cool even back then. <laughs> like, there's just something about him. Like, you see Johnny Depp in Nightmare Before Nightmare, Nightmare Before Christmas. I always do that. You see Johnny Depp in Nightmare on Elm Street, and you're like, who the fuck's this guy? Who cares? He hadn't developed a personality yet, and even when he did, it was just like a one-note personality. Bacon's got that Kevin Bacon swagger. You can just see it yeah. rolling off him. It's no wonder he has the hottest girl in the movie, because even though she's named after my aunt, uh, Marcy is definitely the movie hottie for me. Oh, man. Yeah, it was hard. I was not going to bring it up, but since you did, I thought all the girls in the movie were pretty cute, actually, which doesn't usually happen in movies from this era. Yeah, they are. You know, like, I, I guess... Oh, shit. What was her name? Brenda? I wasn't super Brenda. into Brenda. I don't know. Just something about her face. I wasn't into it. I don't know. I wouldn't look at her and be like, ooh, you know, she's ugly. But there was just something about her that wasn't doing it for me. I do hate all their names. Brenda and Marcy. And Ned and Jack and Steve and Alice and Shia LaBeouf. I mean, Bill. <laughs> what? Shia LaBeouf? That's the first thought I had when we when we meet him later in the movie. I was like, Jesus Christ, that guy looks like Shia LaBeouf. He's the one who uh, plays strip poker with... Um, oh, no, I, I remember. I remember, Brandon but it was it was hard to keep Ned and him separate because they look exactly the same. <laughs> have, I didn't have any trouble. All I I just kept thinking of Bill as Shia LaBeouf. Let's talk about Steve Christie and his amazingly sexy outfit. <laughs> so this guy has no shirt on and whatever had like some weird Jerry curl thing going on with his hair, didn't he? And he and has the shorty shorty cutoffs. <laughs> <laughs> the, the nut the, huggers. Yeah, the really tight cut off jean shorts and the bandana around his neck is not really doing anything. <laughs> That's right, the bandana. Oh, I forgot about that. And we also meet Alice, who, you know, she's a nice girl. You can already tell. And Steve Christie is super fucking creepy because the first thing he yes. does is, well, after he acts like a boss and says, hey, we got to get this stuff done. Let's do this stuff. Alice is like doing something. And he's like, hey, baby, you want to fuck? And she's like, no, not really. <laughs> And he's like, well, why don't you just stick around for a week and then tell me how you feel then? Like, that was my thought. As soon as he started talking to her, I was like, okay, so every motherfucker in this movie is just a creep to the ladies. Just right off the bat. All of them. Except for Kevin Bacon. Except the Baconator. Because he's already got a lady. So he's got that Kevin Bacon confidence. Yeah, he's doing all right. Even Ned later on sees them making out and he just kind of walks off by himself. It was kind yeah. of sad. I got to say, I was expecting the unrated version to do Ned a little justice and uh, let us watch him get killed, but uh, no dice there. I know we already talked about Brenda, but let's talk about her again because okay. this scene let's is really fucked talk up. about Brenda. So we meet, we, I guess we, we met her already, but she's trying to set up the archery thing and she hangs up the target and right when she gets out of the way, an arrow comes flying at it. <laughs> And we turn to see it's fucking Ned. He's a prick. <laughs> he could have killed this girl. Did you watch any of the uh, behind the scenes features? No, I did not because I'm a slack ass piece of shit. Well, it turned out that um, Tom Savini was the one who fired the arrow. And I guess the way that because I guess uh, Sean Cunningham had this idea that he wanted to see the arrow actually hit in real time right in front of uh, Brenda. Right. He was like, I want, you know, but we got to be able to do it safe. But I want to see that. So he was like, he basically started asking because Tom Savini and some of his buddies or whatever, they were not only handling the special 
effects, they were handling some of the stunts as well. Not all the stunts, but some of the stunts. And uh, she's like, hey, can, it, can you fire a bow and arrow? Tom was like, yeah, I can fire I can fire a bow and arrow. He's like, well, how accurate are you? He's like, oh, I'm pretty accurate. He's like, well, you know, let's give me a demonstration. And Cunningham walked up to the target and he pointed right at the center. Like he was pretty close to the target. And he was like, I want you to hit it right there. And as he said there, Savini let the arrow fly and the arrow stuck right where it was. And, and Cunningham was like, Jesus Christ. And then he was like, all right, all right, you're good. And so they did the scene like that. Wow, this seems like an awful lot of weirdly irresponsible people doing things that they shouldn't be doing on a movie set. <laughs> on a small independent feature? What are the odds? I was kind of hoping that Tom Savini would have been like 20 years old or something, but no, he was 30 fucking four. <laughs> so he was he yes, was also he an adult. Was. You forget that Tom Savini is an old guy because, like, you know, he's cool and he dyes his hair a lot and he works out and stuff. But, yeah, Savini's, like, pushing 80. Wow. Yeah, that's that's crazy, man. He's still kicking ass, too. And, yeah, we, we forgot to mention him right at the front because, you know, who's the real star of the show? It's fucking Tom Savini, of course. Yeah. I will say that when I was watching the, the bonus features, there was, like, a panel thing, and Savini definitely got the most applause because <laughs> they, they had Betsy Palmer there. And uh, and they also had they had Alice and they had Sean Cunningham and they had uh, what was his name? Miller. Uh, Victor Miller. Yeah, Victor Miller. I keep on wanting to call him Arthur Miller, but that's not right. And Tom Savini. And yeah, Tom Savini was the first one they introduced. And it was the room fucking went crazy. And then I after I watched the introduction, I just turned it off because I can't stand to watch those panels. They're always too uncomfortable for me to watch. I like panels. We should be on a panel. I wouldn't mind being on a panel (laughs) half as much as I mind watching a panel. Let's host one. If we were good at hosting things, people would have invited us to already. With the one famous person we know who's not actually famous. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. That'll get us far. She'll just be like, hey, what? You want me to what? How much am I getting paid? Oh, there's no money, Jill. Don't worry about that. (laughs) Oh, God. I mean, I talked to those two people who were famous people adjacent, I suppose. They were on sets with famous people. Like, super fucking famous people. That one dude had a really cool name. What was it again? Don Money. Don Money. That was it. I am a little oh, disappointed that, that he, a great number. he didn't name, bring name. up he didn't bring up you calling him Dong Money yet, or at all. <laughs> that was kind of sad. No, I didn't call him Dong Money. I called him Don Gmaster. Oh, Dong Master. That's right. <laughs> oh, Off I Off track hilarious. once again. Ah, we, haven't, we haven't made it anywhere yet. No, Jesus. We ha- <laughs> Annie's not even dead yet. Nope. She's about to be, though, because that is pretty much the next scene after that fucking arrow thing good lord but i like i appreciate that it was tom savini at least so that makes it still and apparently super... he's, he's a great shot well apparently <laughs> it just yeah. it it makes it cooler but i'm old now i'm a, i'm about the age that he was when he did this movie and i'm like wow that is very irresponsible <laughs> they would never get away with that today in a million oh, fucking years fuck no well they just they could just cgi it now yeah that's part of the reason you know i mean back in the days when you still had to have practical special effects there was probably some irresponsible stuff getting done even on major movie sets but now that they've got cgi all that shit's slowly disappearing (laughs) which is probably for the best but you know it it also i'm not gonna lie it takes away a little of the magic a little bit but you know just a scooch i do appreciate that they can use you know cgi animals now that look you know real enough instead of having to do that kind of stuff that is very cool that you you can get a cgi animal that looks like photorealistic and then you can kill it on screen in a showing it getting killed way and it looks really really real but no one got hurt you know no animals had to get killed for it i think that's cool at the same time (laughs) 
it's not a super common situation that movies find themselves in. It's like, well, we got to kill this animal in a way that everybody can see it and it has to look real. Not well, saying it never happens. It just, <laughs> well, if you're just, if you're the guy who made Milo and Otis, you just break the cat's legs so it'll walk funny. Oh, God, I forgot about that. That is such a fucked up story. Yeah, I used to love oh. that movie when I was a kid. And then you found out the horrific story of animal abuse going on behind and, the scenes. Yeah, and I will never, ever, I don't even talk to, I don't talk about that movie with my kids. I don't even let them know it exists. I wouldn't. Yeah, I don't blame you. That's, that was fucked up. But anyway, enough talking about horrifying, awful things. Let's talk about Annie getting killed. Let's kill people instead. Yeah. Um. <laughs> So Annie, I said she gets picked up by the first person driver who doesn't fucking say anything, but you, I guess I imagine she's talking to her where we, yeah, where we can't see because that we would just, just be we, creepy. <laughs> yeah. They just cut away from that, you know, for the purposes of maintaining the mystery. They, you know, they didn't want to let us know right off the bat that it's this friendly looking old lady, who well, actually, middle-aged lady. Yeah. She was in fairness. She was probably, well, actually, now that I think about it, this is 1980. She was probably 58 years old. Cause I, I think I remember reading she was born in 1922. Oh geez. Yeah. She's older. So she was like pushing 60 when she did this movie. God damn. So apparently it's Annie's dream, by the way, to cook at a summer camp. No, it's her dream to work with kids. Oh, is that what it was? Because she doesn't yeah. actually say that. She's just like, Oh, something about my dream. And I'm going to be cooking for all these kids and shit. I do think she said that her dream was working with kids, but I just love the part where she's like, I'll tell you, you're going to stick with it when you've had a dream as long as I have. She's like 20 years old. How fucking long could you have had this dream? <laughs> like seven months. Yeah, whatever. She's going to die here in like two seconds because the driver, whoever it is, we don't know, misses the turnoff to, to Camp Crystal Lake, of course. And then Annie jumps out of the speeding Jeep with a cool cartwheel. It looked, was that actually her? Or was that one of the <laughs> one of the stunt guys? Oh, diving out of the yeah. diving out of the car. I'm yeah. guessing that was a stunt person. There's a little chase through the woods, of course, but you know, let's let's cut to the chase. Annie gets her throat cut. I consider this to be the first real Friday the Thirteenth kill. Because oh, agreed. Yes, it's got all the elements. It's got the stalk. It's got the it's got the music. She's running, and the killer is stalking, not running after her, but stalking after her. And then the next thing you know, the killer's in front of her. This is vintage Friday the 13th. That is what a horror movie is supposed to look like. And then you get a half second more of the throat cut because it's the unrated version that we're talking about. Uh, let me see. You get two seconds more of the throat cut, actually. Oh, do you? Okay. Yes, you do. You get an extra <laughs> two seconds of her th- cut throat bleeding. And I will say that throat cut effect looked really good. Like, you know, kudos. There's a reason Tom Savini is, is Tom Savini. Because his parents named him Tom Savini. That would be the primary reason, yes. But the secondary reason would be that throat cut scene specifically, and no other effects in this movie, obviously. <laughs> there's a couple that are pretty cool, but yeah, you can definitely <laughs> tell. Like, I mean, and granted, there's barely a budget for this fucking movie. They're like, Halloween yeah. did it with $300,000. We can do that, right? This is definitely micro-budget filmmaking for sure. I'm not sure if it was shot on 16 millimeter or not. It might have been 35, but look like it was shot on 16 even on the blu-ray edition it looks although i will say this blu-ray edition is a beautiful upgrade to my dvd oh i do have that dvd i should compare them one of these days yeah i could tell right away the jump in quality it it was very very apparent because i watched my friday the 13th dvd you know a good five or six times and uh yeah the image quality has always been a problem so the the jump in quality was very apparent immediately for me i'm glad you like this movie so much because i thought it was really boring aside from a few moments where people get killed (laughs) 
it is but you know like there's something cool about it i just i guess i just get immersed in the the legacy that it left more than anything because like from a filmmaking perspective it's not like i can defend it as great art or something it really is the legacy of the thing that is great not the thing itself but uh yeah i don't know like i just really enjoy it i have fun watching it every time i watch it i did like it watching it this second time around or it's like my third time watching it i guess i i liked it a lot better this time maybe because i watched it with rachel and we got to make fun of it every once in a while (laughs) i'll ask you this did you watch it like in quick succession or did you space it out by like a week or so i spaced it out because we were supposed to do it like two weeks ago and then shit happened and then so yeah i uh, it it was a couple weeks ago that i watched it well what i mean is the rated and unrated version yeah i watched the rated one a couple weeks ago oh and and then then, like more recently you you waited a little while yeah like today even oh wow okay (laughs) so you were saving it for like last minute yeah okay all right i can respect that yeah i watched it in fairly quick succession i think because i wanted to watch them both and i knew i wasn't going to watch it the day of the podcast so i watched it the tuesday before and then we didn't decide to push back until wednesday because that was when i lost my power oh my god it's been a weird couple weeks yeah we had some fairly extreme weather here in spokane and (laughs) uh a lot of us lost power and i was one of them i lost power for a few days and then once my power got restored my internet was still out for a couple of days so i couldn't work i just spent that whole week off but not in the way i wanted to spend the week off i got lucky there my power came on after about an hour and the internet was immediately like right behind it so it was pretty good yeah once the power came on i was okay with missing work but uh but yeah those sitting in the freezing cold and dark for two days it's not it's not awesome it's not awesome all right so anyway my my ratings my ratings for annie's kill uh, as far as style, I gave it a three out of three. It's the it's the first truly iconic, truly Friday the Thirteenth kill of the movie. Uh, presentation, I gave it a two out of three um, because the build was really nice and the cut effect was gorgeous. Uh, I will say, um, I felt like the theatrical version did it did feel like it cut off a little too soon. So I understand why they extended it a bit in that uh, the unrated cut. As stupid as it is to say that I liked the extra two seconds. I felt pacing wise, it did help when she grimaces and that throat slash opens up. Oh God. It was just such a cool effect because it looked like her throat had really been slashed. Like it's a great effect for its time. Gruesomeness. I gave it a one out of three because it's just not shocking. You know, it's just not shocking and horrifying to see someone get their throat slashed anymore. Not anymore. In 1980, I imagine it was. Yes. uh... Because of how well the effect was done. I'm sure it was very shocking and graphic at the time. But like nowadays, just isn't. And if I had to choose a way to die, getting my throat slashed would probably be high on the list. It'd be high on the list? Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, like choosing a way to be murdered, not choosing a you know, like if I had to choose a way to die, obviously it would be, you know, um, high on heroin. Well, whatever makes it easier, I guess. <laughs> My rating would be, uh, I'm going to drop the kumbaya thing because she was annoying, but we actually got to know her like for a few seconds. So, uh, let's so how go. about rated on out of five dog dicks? Close, close. I was going to give it Tom Savini penis guns. Oh, yes. I like it. <laughs> All right. How many Tom Savini penis guns does this get? Let's go three out of five because it's good but it you know it gets weirder and grosser later sure i definitely see you don't want to blow all six chambers or excuse me 12, 12 chambers yeah because <laughs> it's got the double barrel ball sack god i haven't seen that fucking movie in forever <laughs> my he- son was talking to me this weekend about quentin tarantino movies and so i was like kind of running through them and i was like yeah and he, and he wrote this movie called from dusk till dawn he's like that sounds like a stupid title i was like you'll see one day son you'll see one day you'll see like four different movies in the span of 90 minutes or so so <laughs> 
that's part of what made me fall in love with it. You know, that was, um, I think that was the second or third Quentin Tarantino penned movie I had ever seen. I, I think it was the second. I saw it before Pulp Fiction. Oh, wow. Me too, I, I think, actually. I saw True Romance when it hit video, um, like right after it hit video. And that was over at a friend's house because my mom would have never <laughs> rented yeah. True Romance for me. <laughs> And then, yeah, I saw uh, From Dust Till Dawn on cable, and I was like, holy shit, this is awesome. And that was like right when I had seen Scream and gotten into horror movies. I was like, holy shit, this horror thing is kind of awesome. Scream was a good thing in the 90s, man. That that got a lot of people into this dumb shit. Not me. I was still kind of young-ish. Well, yeah, I mean, in 96, 97. Like I saw because you were like, what, sister. eight, nine? Uh, yeah, nine. Yep. Yeah. So it was a great gateway drug into horror. Yeah. It's one of those movies that I'm like, Hey kids, if you want to watch horror movies with me here, we have the craft. We have scream. Halloween might be okay. I don't know. That one's a little creepier though. A little more (laughs) realistic with the kid killing people. I don't think they'd enjoy that. Who knows? They might enjoy it more than you think. We, we need to move on to the next scene because it's very important. What's the next scene? Kevin Bacon in a speedo. What? Kevin Bacon is in a speedo. They're all hanging out. Oh, is that the, is that the (laughs) dock scene? Yeah. Where they're all on the dock and they're fucking around and and working. I think they're doing some work, but they're also messing around. All I have written for that scene is Marcy is definitely the hottie of this installment for me. You know what surprised the shit out of me? Like, of course, Brenda. Yeah, she's there. She's she's not that bad. But Alice showing up in that bikini that surprised me and made me. Yeah. I was into it. Alice is definitely good looking. I, I can't take that away from her. She is definitely good looking. But yeah, for me, I don't know. Like, I just lean more towards Marcy than Alice. Um, but Alice is definitely a good looking chica. But aside from us being creepy, like all the guys in this movie, also, there is <laughs> nothing but sexual harassment like like we did. Bring oh, up a absolutely. Bit, except for from Kevin Bacon, because he's just hanging out with his girlfriend. But everybody, That's else, true. all the other dudes are super creepy. <laughs> A man manages to avoid it, uh, even back in 1980. Yeah, Ned here, though, pretends to be drowning, pulls a squints is what I fucking wrote down. A squints? What's that? Uh, From the Sandlot. Oh, fuck. Is that what that <laughs> character's name was? I can never yeah. remember. Where he pretends to be drowning, <laughs> and then Brenda starts giving him mouth to mouth, but then he wakes up and starts kissing her. Ugh. Yeah, I wrote down, is Ned dead? Nope, just another fucking creep. <laughs> Well, every time I hear anything that rhymes with Zed, since we're, we were talking about <laughs> Quentin Tarantino earlier, the whole time I'm thinking like Ned's dead, Ned's dead, baby. I was just the whole time, even before Who's he died. Ned? Ned's dead, baby. Ned's dead. <laughs> the whole time, it was so stupid. Anyways, but yeah, Kevin Bacon in a speedo, and you get a really good shot of his junk, and he's a good-looking dude. I'm into it. I mean, there's a reason he was sort of the sexy guy in this movie. Because he's kind of a sexy guy. I fucking I love Kevin it. Bacon. He's a guy. Yeah, I think he's kind of underrated, even though you know he's he's super famous. But I don't think he gets enough love. You know. Have you seen that uh, more recent movie, his Cop Car? No. I think I saw it on Netflix, or it might have been Hulu. I'm not 100 percent sure which it was. I just stumbled upon it, and uh, yeah, it's pretty good. You should check it out. It's about these two kids who are just kind of fucking around in the woods one day, and they stumble across this cop car that's just sitting there. You know, like it's just sitting there in the woods, and uh, so they start fucking around they you know they open up the door and they get inside and next thing you know they drive off in the cop car well it turns out kevin bacon was the cop whose car it was and he was off in the woods burying a dead body oh shit that sounds awesome (laughs) and so now he's got to try and find his car and so it's baconator versus two little boys (laughs) wait pretty good his name is kevin bacon and he's a cop (laughs) oh (laughs) Ah, perfect (laughs) casting 
I he made a horror movie earlier this year or last year. Shit, it's 2021 now. Uh, called You Should Have Left, and I have not seen it, but it looked pretty good. It's only got a 5.4 on IMDb, but at the same time, it's a horror movie, and those are kind of I've like heard that. nothing but bad things. Oh, have you really? I've heard unwatchable. Oh, that's bummer because it looked good. Uh, granted, this is not from people that I know and trust, but uh, Dan Harmon actually wrote an entire <laughs> like really long Twitter or maybe it was Instagram rant about how awful the movie is. Yeah, I can. Uh, we can kind of trust him. It's, I, it's fuck. <laughs> I love him as a writer. I don't know whether or not he's any good as a movie critic, so I still intend to watch it. I'm pretty sure it's on um, Tubi. Oh, if it's on Tubi, I have to check it out. I have one more day off, so woo. Anyways, Alice finds a snake in her cabin that's not Kevin Bacon's penis, which is a bummer. <laughs> and then the movie turns into Cannibal Holocaust. For like a second, really it's a real snake. snake. Yeah, With Bill, a machete. Yeah, Bill ends up cutting it up with a machete, and then somebody says, is it dead? No. It's not dead. You just cut it into three pieces. And then who is it? Alice says, well, I know it's for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it was Marcy. I don't know. Uh, it's one of them because Brenda is a vegetarian. Oh, yeah, that's right. Brenda's a vegetarian. I will get to that scene, but they're cooking in the kitchen and she says, oh, God, I wrote it down. So we'll have to we'll have to get there. But I can't remember what the fucking line was, but it made me laugh and I had to write it down. Anyways, let's get to some racism. What? In the next scene, Ned is in, an, is in a Native American headdress. Oh, doing the fuck, oh, that's right. Thing. When the cop comes up, which you'd think if this was any other movie like if this was a remake from 2003 like the texas chainsaw massacre that cop would be in the involved just acting the exact same way that he was acting i'm pretty sure in the remake from what was it 2016 or 2012 oh fuck it might have been like like 2009 it was 2009 and i watched it and it was really shitty i'm pretty sure the cop (laughs) is involved in that one is he i don't fuck i don't remember that's how interesting that movie was i thought it was really good i don't know personally i I think it's an underrated remake when did you watch it it last i just watched it um maybe a month or two ago with my kids Okay, because I just watched it the other day because I I watched the first two and then I went and watched the remake because I was curious and I didn't like it. It did not hold up for you. No, not really. It wasn't bad. It wasn't awful. It was just kind of one of those like, huh, this could have been anything i'm not going to try and pretend like it's great or anything like that but i th- I thought it was pretty good i'll say this it's a fun watch from a filmmaking and structural standpoint it may not hold up very well like to hard scrutiny but we'll get to that one we'll we'll talk about that that's our december movie oh fuck so. that's right okay Alrighty. um so native american headdress super racist he's being a fucking dick uh the cop guy though he comes and he just kind of fucks with him for a minute because he's looking for ralph who is the harbinger guy who's like you you'll never make it out alive or whatever I feel like there definitely has to be a draft where they were setting it up as a whodunit, yeah, you know? Yeah. I don't think it made it to the final version, or at least they didn't refine it well enough for it to be a whodunit, but I do feel like at some point, uh, Mr. Miller was going for a whodunit vibe, a la, you know, an Agatha Christie movie or something like that. Yeah, you can definitely see elements of that in this. He was definitely setting up Ralph as a red herring for the whodunit mystery. Ralph or the cop? No, Ralph, Ralph? for sure. Oh, okay. Yeah, because... Because they have him appear, you know, like, we're looking for old Ralph. He's he's coming out this way, spouting his gospel, you know. And then there he is in the fucking pantry two scenes later or whatever it is. And apparently Ralph has a wife. <laughs> yeah. Like, how does 
<laughs> what I'd hate to see his wife. She's got to be as crazy as him in order to stay married to that. Yeah, like what is she like? I... Or you know who knows? Maybe they got married young and she was like, "Nope, I'm gonna stand by my man. I don't care how crazy he gets." <laughs> it was just a throwaway line a few a little bit later in the movie, but okay, alrighty. <laughs> it was 1980. It was still effectively the 70s, and uh, you know, so people stayed together more. Stay together for the kids. Fuck, how terrifying is the idea that Ralph has kids? Oh, God. Uh, I know guys like Ralph who have kids. They are not well-adjusted, let me tell you. All right, well, speaking of Ralph. The prophet returns. Yes. Okay, so now they are all in the kitchen. They are cooking hamburgers. And Brenda says, how can you eat that stuff? It looks like dead animals. It's a hamburger. Isn't that kind of the point? So that is literally (laughs) what it is. It is dead animals. How appropriate. Oh, my God. Yeah, vegetarians got pretty short shrift back in 1980. <laughs> they didn't get a lot of respect from the middle America. Somebody wrote that line. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. I wrote the generator works, but they go into that generator room like 12 fucking times throughout this movie. They are always in there. Well, the generator keeps going out. What are you going to do? Okay. Got to keep checking the Jenny. They kept <sighs> calling it the Jenny, and I kept getting did, these flashbacks to my elk days growing up in the woods. Did they call it the Gen- the Jenny? I didn't hear. I heard that term in 30 Days of Night a bunch. Yeah, they call it the Jenny. I guess it's fewer syllables, so that's fine. So I know there's like a few scenes in between here, but eventually we get to the point where Ned... That, that's that's next. Is in that my the notes, next at scene? Least, yeah. He, uh, well, mostly. He's like kind of watching Kevin and Marcy. Yeah, I say oh, Oh, that's right. Jack. He's being all fucking mopey. And <laughs> yeah, shit. because he doesn't have anybody to love or fuck or the fuck. But then doesn't he doesn't have anybody to play with his wiener. I guess he sees somebody like go into this cabin and he's like, hey, I'm going to follow this person into the cabin. Hey, you all right? Yeah. But nothing happens because they cut away. They're not showing us anything yet. We don't so know we what don't the fuck. Know. Yeah, we don't know what happens to Ned until a few scenes later. And then uh, Marcy and Jack are having conversations about foreshadowing. Yeah, it's raining and she's afraid of the rain because of her dream. Some dream that she had. And they go into the she cabin that Ned went into. It so was they raining can fuck. blood. Yeah, it was raining blood. And then now we're, we're kind of uh, we're with Ned and Marcy. And then Alice, Brenda, and Bill are hanging out in another cabin. And then Brenda suggests the strip monopoly thing which we'll get back to in a second why did i never get to hang out with girls who suggested strip monopoly back when i was in high school because you didn't look like bill i guess that yeah that's probably true i was no bill you were not skinny curly haired freak i don't know i was no shia LaBill. <laughs> so jack and marcy they're fucking in the bunk in a bunk bed and this is where we see ned they kind of pan up and there's ned okay so what this scene implies yeah. to me and what happens next in the scene is that not only did the killer lure Ned into that room, kill him, and throw him into the bunk bed, but then the killer proceeded to hide under the bunk bed. <laughs> and she's not a small woman. She's not super tiny. And so, bunk beds mm. are not known for being the most concealing things in the world. It's not like you walk into a room and you can't see under the bunk bed because it's so obscure. It's a fucking bunk bed. They're horny like, 20-somethings. <laughs> and she know? just lay there while they were fucking on top of her. Oh, oh, oh sorry. Spoiler alert. I gendered the killer, so. Oops. I gave it all away, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> I know Rachel This is Voorhees know. is a fucking pervert. That's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I cut you off. Please continue. I don't remember what the fuck I was going to say. Rachel Rachel didn't know who the killer was, so this was kind of fun to watch with her. Wow. I know. actually that's... found someone who hadn't already gotten the spoiler? That's what I said. I'm like, okay, this movie's been out for 40 fucking years. How do you not know that? <laughs> That's weird. And I'm like, have you seen Scream? She's like, no. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) So 
So she didn't get the spoiler in Scream oh, either. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. Because it probably took her completely by surprise. And she figured it out and she didn't care. Oh, what? Because <laughs> this this isn't her genre. She doesn't give a shit. Well, that's why she didn't know. She just never cared to know. If she had, she would have. Yep. So, I mean, we don't really... What happened to Ned even? He has like some scratches on his face. He's just got blood on him. I, yeah. I don't know. I'm guessing he got stabbed in something that isn't being shown on camera, so... So this is barely a kill, and it's not gory or interesting at all. He's just dead. Well, before we get to Ned, I wrote, Bacon butt, where's the taters? Because <laughs> we have that nice lingering shot on Kevin Bacon's ass. He didn't show his dick it's... until Hollow Man came out. <laughs> I don't know if it's actually Kevin Bacon's ass, but also it should be noted that this is one of the moments where the unrated version is just slightly longer. Oh, they can only have two seconds of ass in the rated version. Yes, and they gave us two additional seconds in the unrated version. I two love additional th- seconds specifically of Bacon <laughs> butt. I love that you're measuring time of Kevin Bacon's butt. That makes me happy. <laughs> I'm not measuring it. Someone on the internet measured it and put it up for all the world to see. Oh. Oh, I'm simply okay. reporting the news, sir. All right. Well, Marcy leaves the room. She gets her clothes on, unfortunately. Well, some of her clothes. There's a lot of chicks well, just walking around in their underwear here. Real quick, before the object of my lust dresses back up, I got to give my ratings for Ned's kill. Oh, yeah, yep. And you got to give your ratings. Lack thereof. So- Style, I gave it a one out of three because it happened off screen. Fuck it. Presentation, one out of three. Same reasoning. I'm sorry, but you cannot kill somebody off screen and expect me to be impressed by it when all we do is just pan up to a dead body who you can't even tell how he died. That's just weak. And uh, gruesomeness, one out of three because, you know, it's like, I don't don't fucking know how he died. I will give it 10 out of 10 racist caricatures because... (laughs) because because racist caricatures are awful and that was the most awful scene yep you're kind of happy to see him dead now because he also (laughs) fuck you he tried to murder brenda and he's a shithead so and he sexually assault he tried to murder brenda he sexually assaulted Brenda, and he's out there being all racist so yeah you know kind (laughs) of fuck him fuck this guy oh god all right so did you pop a boner when marcy's nipple like kind of got exposed under kevin bacon's hand uh obviously good i'm i'm popping a boner right now just thinking about remembering seeing it uh so she has to go pee so that's hot. There's there's a lot of <laughs> girls just walking around in their underwear. Two specifically, really, really Brenda and Marcy like to go around without clothes on. Thank you, God, for Brenda and Marcy. <laughs> and so this is probably the most iconic kill in the entire movie. Probably one of the, one of the most yes. iconic kills in the franchise, really. Because not only are you murdering a future movie star, you're also shoving an arrow through his neck, which is really gross and kind of awesome. And easily the best effect in the movie. Oh as yeah, far, a, as far as I'm concerned. Did you hear that it did? didn't work so there was like a an assistant down there blowing fake blood through a tube to make it spurt out of his neck seriously (laughs) yeah (laughs) well whatever it took to make that effect work it still looks amazing to this day like seriously in the age of cgi in the age of flawless special effects that effect still looks amazing style three out of three absolutely legendary an icon of the franchise presentation three out of three it looks so upsettingly real even today and gruesome holy fucking shit three out of three that looks like an awful way to go and i know i say that as a guy who was like yeah i wouldn't mind getting my throat cut yeah there's a huge difference between getting your throat cut and having a fucking hunting arrow (laughs) driven through your neck from your spine out the front that is easily the best kill of the movie if not the best kill of the franchise yeah it's pretty uh 
Uh, let's see. I don't know how clever I am. <laughs> let's give it four out of five loose feet for Kevin Bacon. <laughs> You're only going four out of five? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it really cut loose, foot loose. It's not perfect. Fuck you. I disagree. I, also, I don't want to disagree completely. I don't want Tom Savini to get a big head, okay? I know he listens to this. All right. You know what? I'll give you that. Don't I get mean, cocky, he, fucker. He, he's constantly writing us fan letters. We don't want him to go full Joan Crawford on us. <laughs> what? I don't get that reference. I know who Joan Crawford is, but what? <laughs> Have you seen Mommy Dearest? No. Oh, God, you owe it to yourself. All right, so I have to say, my first thought when we cut to the bathroom scene is, why the fuck are you barefoot in the public bathroom? Well, in fairness, it hasn't been open in, like, 20 years, so. That's true. That's true. I guess it's just, like, my visceral repulsion to the very concept of being barefoot in a public bathroom. But you know what? In fairness, yeah, it's probably as sterile as it's ever been. But uh, I saw that. Oh, it just gave me the creeps. That gave me the creeps more than any kill in this movie did. (laughs) Well, yeah, Marcy is just hanging out in the bathroom by herself, and she does this weird, like, monologue to herself into the mirror. I think it was a Catherine Hepburn monologue. Okay, you know, I was trying to think of a name to go with that kind of stuff, but yeah, that's... that's No, it was literally Catherine Hepburn she was doing. I just don't know what movie it was from. Yeah, I I, I looked it up. I could not figure out what fucking movie it was from, but it's time for her to die, so are you going to be sad? I am. Oh, she got it in the worst way, too, for the hottie of the movie to take an axe to the face. It was a good one, though. (laughs) How ironic. Yeah, that's some good stuff. She does. She gets an axe to the face. That'd be like if Kevin Bacon choked on a burger a bacon burger <laughs> so all right let's talk about the axe to the face style i'm giving that one a three out of three you got the cute girl there's a long build she calls out to the killer is anybody there hey who's there and he was well she excuse me was behind her the whole time that is vintage friday the 13th yes presentation i'll give it a two out of three because while the axe to the face looks really good her scream looks like she was fighting diarrhea (laughs) for gruesomeness i'll give that a two out of three because while it was a fact way to go it was a pretty fucking heinous way to go too so that one kind of rides the line there for me and yes i was definitely heartbroken to see my beloved marcy her beautiful face chopped to bits i will give this one 3.75 axe wounds if you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) well that's appropriate for this movie so you can be a creep along with every one of the other i'm gonna in this I mean, not like I'm not being a creep, so. But yeah, because it's not quite as good as the arrow, but the the makeup effect looks pretty good, so. It does. But it does kind of do this weird whip pan thing where you don't actually see the <laughs> fucking, the axe go into her face. It like cuts, it like moves over real quick and you don't see her face and then it comes back and then the axe is in her face. I mean, obviously it would have been an impossible effect to do if they actually had to do the axe to the face. They could have done like a dummy head, but it wouldn't have looked as good, you know, as doing it on her real face. So. They could have just put that- an axe in her face. <laughs> I've read more than one horror comic about someone doing exactly that. <laughs> this is actually where the second to last of the five edits takes place. The third one takes place where the arrow digging through Jack's neck and the blood come out. But uh, they actually added another four seconds onto that one where he's kind of panting for air with his shocked face. And I guess a good portion of that had been cut out along with a little bit of blood splatter. They had about four seconds to that scene. And then when Marcy takes the axe to the face in the 
R-rated version, they cut away from her sooner. So this one, she bangs her head on the wall and then she slowly slides down the wall. They don't show the slow slide in the original cut. So that one in particular, I think the extended version does work just a little bit better. Uh, so while I feel that this unrated version is mostly useless, there are a couple of, of moments in there where, where it is slightly improved. Ever so slightly. I, I don't think it's enough to say, yeah, you need to buy it all over again. <laughs> you know, but if you have a choice between watching the two versions, I'm going to lean toward the unrated version. Oh, especially back back then, the MPAA were a bunch of pussies. The X rating was really popular with them for gory movies and stuff. That is true. Look at Evil Dead, which what did Evil Dead come? Was Evil Dead the same year or a year later? I think it was a year later ish. Yeah, and Evil Dead got the X rating, which seems so comical now, you know. Well, yeah, I mean that movie's still pretty <clears throat> fucking gross, but it is. But you know, like to give that an X rating, which you know, effectively an NC seventeen for back then, it's like, well, come on, guys. Like, yep. <laughs> the remake is way worse. Oh yeah, for yeah. shizzle. But it's still an awesome movie, and we should we should have just an Evil Dead party one of these days. That would be awesome. I would be down. Yeah, I'm into it. All right, so let's get back to Monopoly. How about that? So now everybody's down to their underwear, except Alice, who is apparently the big winner at Strip Monopoly. Yeah, and I had to explain to Rachel that she's the good girl, and that's why she can't show anything. I'm not sure that that trope existed exactly like that yet, but I know it was leaning towards that at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think Halloween did a good job of starting to establish that like it wasn't fully solidified but friday the 13th was definitely the one that uh that nailed that down good and hard <laughs> that actually wasn't what i was going for but i was just trying to find a way of saying that they established it but oh well, yeah fair yeah. enough but like you said everybody's <laughs> kind of in their underwear except for alice but she just happens to lose a point or something and she starts to take off her shirt but then the door gets blown open as if the lord himself was like don't nice girl you need to survive tonight so you can die in the next movie i don't know spoiler alert thou shalt not show thy tits yeah they they really treated her poorly in the sequel didn't they <laughs> just a little she just just immediately just like oh yeah let's get rid of her poor girl so of course it's raining and storming and stuff and that's that's why the door actually blew open also because you know death is coming death is coming in the form of a not so nice looking old lady she actually looks pretty scary i'm kind of she she worries me a little what's her name again betsy uh, betsy palmer yeah. palmer yeah betsy palmer i i always forget it thank you for reminding me betsy palmer is not a terribly good looking woman she's a decent actress but there's a picture of her on imdb and i don't think it's her profile picture i could be wrong but i don't think it's her profile picture but i looked at it and i was like god damn that is hot this from like 1940 or something like that you know like when she's in her 20s like 1945 or something and she's just given this look and it is a hot picture i was like god damn man who would have thought yeah she looked all right back in the day i'm, I'm looking at it anyways let's stop objectifying you see that one these particular women. picture i'm talking about yeah i i, I see that one <laughs> let's stop objectifying these these beautiful okay. beautiful on the inside women well we didn't get to see all of their insides so <laughs> that's true we're not 100 percent sure on that one so guess what happens, man? Brenda runs outside in her underwear. I mean, she has like a tarp or something. No, she has a, a raincoat. What are those called? 
Poncho? Poncho, yeah. I think. I don't know. But she's like barefoot and in her <laughs> underwear. And she's just like, yep, this is how I'm heading back to my cabin. Yep, it's fine. Oh, to be a teenager again. We'll get back to her in like three seconds because uh, all I want all I want to say is that Steve is at this diner and the waitress looks like a cartoon character. All I want to say is that the level of banter between the two of these characters, I'll tell you, it's, it, it's writing like that that is the reason I wanted to be a screenwriter. Because you could have. It's like, yeah. how's it going? Good, you. Boy, this weather is coming down like the cats and the dogs. Like, fuck, man. And then she Did says she really wants to fuck him. really need as many lines here as you inserted? Yeah, they were trying to get it to that 90-some minute mark. Oh, God. It feels like it. That is a rough scene to watch. So either way, I don't really want to come back to him. His car breaks down as he's coming back to camp, and he hitches a ride with a cop. And then I was trying to... But that's later. That's after That's after Brenda gets killed. Almost. He gets in the car and drives off, and then we cut back to Brenda. Bre- well, we do cut back to Brenda. Uh, she's all alone in the bathroom in her underwear. And I said there's a theme here. But but she's brushing her teeth, so at least, you know. She's getting ready for bed. She's in her underwear. She's in the bathroom. I kind of wondered in the subsequent scene, like after the bathroom, when she gets back to her cabin, like... Do women of our generation still wear nightgowns? No, I hope not. Like, because apparently nightgowns were a thing even into the 80s, and that's just weird to me. I that, can't wrap my head around yep, the nightgown. I wrote it nightgown. down. I'm like, she's in a nightgown like my grandma. Yeah, it's actually a very similar nightgown to what my grandma used to wear, <laughs> probably still does wear to this day. And since we're on the subject, how about, well, I mean, I, I guess it's not the same subject. We're not talking about a nightgown anymore, but she does hear a child's voice. Yes, and this is the point at which I feel uh, Mrs. Voorhees sets a very dangerous precedent. Isn't the whole reason that she's killing these kids because they failed to respond to her Jason when he was dying? And yet here she is punishing them for responding to a child calling for help. This sends a very mixed message. And I think she's setting a dangerous precedent. Shame on you, Mrs. Voorhees. The subtitles also say that it is Jason screaming. Oh, spoiler alert. Yeah, isn't that weird? (laughs) But then, of course, a little after the foreshadowing earlier of her almost getting fucking shot by an arrow, uh, she goes to the archery range and someone turns on the lights. And then she dies off screen. And guess yeah, what? Yeah, like who the fuck knows what happens to her. I will tell you that there's no fucking arrows in her, so that doesn't make any goddamn sense. That's true. The arrows got saved for, uh, who was it? Uh, Shia LaBeouf. Bill, yeah, yeah which is, well, we'll get to that because I like that Shia one. Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> so Alice and Bill go investigate the lights because they saw them from the cabin that they're all hanging well, out in. Wait, I got to give you my rating on this death. One out of three across the board. I had to say that. I needed it inserted in here. <laughs> I don't have anything clever for her. Mm. So, yeah, she gets a one out of five. Just one out of five. I don't give a fuck, so I don't know. They set it up on the archery field and everything after that thing with the arrows. How are we not seeing her get hit with some arrows? Like, fuck you. Well, yeah, how is she not, like, plastered with arrows on the fucking target when they go and investigate? That's how that should have gone. Or something like that, you know? It's like, just wasted opportunity. That's how I see Brenda's death. Like, you can still still kill Bill with all those, (laughs) all those arrows again but <laughs> or a samurai sword whichever you prefer yeah yeah a wasted opportunity i'm sure that there were budgetary reasons for it but still uh but they start searching all the cabins and they find the axe in marcy's bed i assume which is kind of ominous and cool and they're like quick let's get our prints on it yeah right and they can't find anyone so they decide to break into the office or something to call someone and of course the phones don't work and neither does the truck so they can't leave they can't call anybody now at this point no one has died the power has gone out and it's a little spooky and they're like this is 
is totally a justified situation in which to start smashing windows. Yeah, they don't know anybody's dead yet. All their friends are just kind of disappearing. Yeah, as far as they're concerned, everybody's just hunkered down for the night. I mean, granted, they start going through the cabins and they keep finding nothing. So that's spooky. But, but then, like, like, do you automatically go, like, everybody's spooky. fucking dying. Everybody's dead. We need to call the cops or whatever. Alice is positive that some super, super bad is going down. Like she is, she just immediately buys right into that. Meanwhile, Shia LaBeouf is like, come on, baby, let's just take it easy. Yeah, he wants to fuck. That was my Shia LaBeouf impression. That was good. It's more like hit her until she does whatever you want. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. But... Allegedly. I don't know if he actually hit anybody, but you know. Allegedly. Came out recently that he was pretty manipulative and creepy. So Yeah, well, you know, my understanding is he was pretty, like, he didn't deny it. He was like, yeah, I was pretty manipulative and creepy. So that's, you know, it's a step in the right direction anyway. <laughs> the first step to change is admitting you were wrong. Good thing those Transformers movies suck and I don't need to watch them. <laughs> Anyways, so this is where we cut back to Steve while he's driving with the cop. Oh, so the one thing about the fucking scene with the cop that bugs me is we learn that Ralph has a wife, of course, but Steve jumps in the cop's car and he's like, okay, drive me back to camp. I'll have one of my counselors drive you back in the morning. So this cop can just, you know, go spend the night somewhere and then get driven back. No, no, no. He said, I'll have one of my counselors drive me back in the morning. Did he say me? Yes, he said okay. me. How did you get you out of that? Because it said it in the subtitles, I think. This is why I don't watch the goddamn <laughs> subtitles. Lazy, lazy closed captioning. Lazy. Or maybe I'm just imagining it and I, th I thought that's how I heard it. I don't fucking know, but okay, good. All I know is that Steve and the Sarge started talking about Friday the 13th and all I could think was meta horror. Hey, there's the fucking, there's the connection. Ob this movie has zero connection to Friday the 13th, like the lore and the well, superstitions birthday let's not forget that yeah it is but jason's birthday isn't well it might be friday the 13th jason's birthday is the 13th is the 13th so yeah but it has nothing to do with friday the 13th being like some superstitious holiday thing yeah it's just bad luck yeah so i mean that, that's not even mentioned until the cops finally says like oh it's friday the 13th but there's also a full moon things happen during a full moon not things happen during a full moon also on friday the 13th meta horror but uh steve gets fucking stabbed Steve very... sees a familiar face. Oh. And probably. he's like, hey, what are you doing here? Another one where he gets stabbed below camera and we don't see it. Yes. One out of three. Yep. All across the board again. One out of five. Fuck this guy. No. Uh, for presentation, I gave it a two out of three because it is a solid jump scare. You got the musical cue and it's as jump scares go. It was solid and effective. But yeah, as far as gruesomeness and style, one out of three. This was not a great kill. One out of five necker shifts. <laughs> I'm enjoying some of these. I don't think you'll ever hit the heights of penis guns again, but I know. We'll see. It. But yeah, off screen again. So we're, we're, we're done with, we're, we're halfway done with him. He falls out of a tree later, which is kind of fun, but. And then we cut that. back to camp and the Jenny dies like my hopes and dreams. So Bill, he's going to check on the generator because the power and all that shit. Eh, he leaves Alice alone in the cabin. and she what could go wrong? Yeah, nothing ever. But she gets antsy and goes out looking for him, which is fucking stupid because if you think something's really going on, maybe stay. Don't move. And then we get a, we get a fake jump scare from Alice. And all I could think was, fuck you, Alice, because I fucking hate fake jump scares. I've been very vocal on this one. I agree with you. But actually, this I said that like it takes like two seconds for all that stuff to go down but it's just a long scene where she's walking she's like making coffee and she's waiting for oh yeah and she finally yeah you could just call that section fill in time yeah well we need time for bill to get murdered because that's what happens because yes bill's next and he's arrowed to the door which is cool which like, is a 
really nice effect. I give that one top marks across the board. Even though it happened off screen, the presentation is so good. And of the dead body reveals, this is how a dead body reveal should be done. And there's a lot of dead body reveals in Friday the 13th. This one's top notch. So yeah, I'm I'm giving this one three out of three across the board. It's not quite to the level of the arrow through the neck, but it is definitely a strong, strong kill. I think it's yeah, it's one of the coolest effects, at least. Four out of five. Uh uh, I don't I don't have any penis humor anymore. Uh Oh, you already did vagina humor. Yep, I was maybe... Anus humor? Arrows to the bullseye, if you know what I mean. Four out of five Shia LaBeouf screaming no in the Transformers movies. (laughs) Because at least an hour... At least an hour across those three movies is him going, no, 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 no. It really is. Oh, God. So Alice is for sure now the final girl. After Nobody she, left to be it. Yeah. After she gets all freaked out, she runs back in the house, slams the door. She's trying to barricade herself in there with, like, rope and logs and, and whatever the fuck else she can find. And she constructs the least effective barricade you will ever see in a horror movie. <laughs> yes. But, hey, guess... The door opens outward, for fuck's sake. Yeah, well, but she gets a surprise. Brenda gets thrown through the window, and that's where we see her with whatever happened to her with a rope around her I yeah she, she looks like maybe she was like square knotted to death i don't know we already rated that one so fuck, yeah. fuck it <laughs> underwhelming as a body reveal or a kill underwhelming yes. brenda got short shrift that's what happens to vegetarians in the 1980s yeah fuck them she should have gagged what... on a sausage or something <laughs> Yeah, that sounds about right for the 1980s, actually. Gag the vegetarian on a sausage. <laughs> if it was my movie, I would have tied her up in sausage links. Hung, <laughs> hung her by a tree with sausage links. I'm wondering how that would even work. Like, I have no idea. They're not that strong. You'd need a lot of links. Combat cold cuts like Michelangelo. <laughs> Aren't those ones just like literally roped <laughs> yes. together? Yes. Yes, they are. So a, a blue Jeep shows up outside and it's not Steve, even though we're kind of led to believe that because he has. Surely the- this is a good thing. And who pops out? It's Betsy Palmer. We meet Mrs. Voorhees. She's so friendly. I know in a super creepy way. I don't like people talking to me in general, but if they talk to me like that, ugh. Uh, she drops a lot of exposition about Jason drowning and that his birthday is the 13th of whatever month this is supposed to be i don't remember if they said that or not yeah there's sort of an abrupt shift like like she's so friendly and accommodating she's like i'm not scared i'm mrs Voorhees. i'll take a look oh this is so sad that poor poor girl and then she starts devolving into madness rapidly <laughs> yep. she starts monologuing heavy and uh it soon becomes apparent mrs Voorhees is not entirely all there so after it's a pretty shoddy attempt to kill alice real quick alice does take off and she finds annie's body in the jeep and then mr christie steve that's when he falls out of the tree in the most perfectly timed event you would think that he was a deadfall and there was a tripwire nearby his timing is so perfect that's one of the things that just irritates the shit out of me it's like come the fuck on i feel like in the remake that would actually be a thing that they did like he would set up a yeah set up a tripwire to yep. cause one of the bodies to fall. Yep, just to, just to fuck with people. He's I would have been a... okay with that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if that's what Mrs. Voorhees did, then cool. But there's no tripwire. That's the problem, or at least there does not appear to be one. So um, then we get the then we get the Norman Bates thing where she's like, "Kill her, mommy! Kill her! 
killer, uh, which is creepy and kind of cool. Uh, I enjoy that. Yeah, there's definitely then, a lot of psycho in this movie. When she gets out to the boathouse and Mrs. Voorhees attacks her there, <laughs> Mrs. Voorhees just pimp slaps her right into the oars or whatever the fuck is all lined yeah, up. Yeah, well, She's right before like, that, I have a I have a very good question. Why do they need so many guns? Did you see the fucking Well, they were planning movie? on having a lot of kids out. Maybe, maybe they were going to have a turkey shoot. I don't fucking know. Uh, that did seem like an inordinate amount of guns, I'll say. <laughs> Every summer camp I ever went to, they only had like two. And I was gonna, I was gonna make a water boy joke because she's looking for bullets and she's upset because she's got all them guns but no bullets. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I wrote it down. You and least. your fucking deep cuts, dude. Oh my god, that's like a two-layer deep cut. It's like I have to not only get what you're saying, but then I have to connect it back to the joke about alligators in the Water Boy of all movies. Jesus fuck, that movie sucks, by the way, and it's kind of sad. Yes, it does. That's when you revisit and you're going like, "Wow, I thought this was funny when I was 12." <laughs> Anyways, so Alice, let's get back to Alice. Alice, the final girl. She ends up hiding in a closet and breathing super fucking loud. So there's no wonder that Mrs. Voorhees finds her because she like kind of stops breathing. But then Mrs. Voorhees grabs the doorknob and starts wiggling it. And then she goes, ah! like, don't. She doesn't <laughs> well, know you you're for- in there. We skipped over my favorite part, which is when they're still in the barn right after Mrs. Voorhees shows how strong her pimp hand is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We forgot to talk about um, that, too. <laughs> Alice butt butts Mrs. V's V. What? <laughs> Yeah, she's holding the gun and she slams Mrs. Voorhees oh. in the vag with the butt of the gun. Oh, and yeah. I wrote down, yep. Alice butt butts Mrs. V's V. <laughs> I completely I just, missed that, yeah. I just laughed for the rest of the movie. I, I, I just giggled. <laughs> so Mrs. Voorhees breaks the fucking door, right? Yep. And I thought this was super funny because she has a fucking machete. She doesn't, like, break down the door. She breaks, she punches, like, a hole in the door and then she unlocks it. She does, she does a Jack Nicholson in The yes. Shining on that door. And I think this might actually be before the shining you know what it is holy shit it's a couple years before the shining yep (laughs) but she still does that same scene where she smashes the hole in the door then looks through it no you know what it's the same year oh is it yeah so i mean the turnaround time on this movie was not long i can guarantee that they probably saw it the day before and they're like hey you want to do this thing And next weekend, it was in the theaters. Yeah, almost. God, because they made one Friday the 13th movie every year for like five years. Yeah, seriously. So she has the machete, right? But Alice has a fucking frying pan. So guess who wins? Frying pan, Alice, obviously. Because she, yeah, the fucking frying pan, of course. Frying pan to the head beats machete to the frying pan. Because Mrs. Voorhees apparently doesn't have very good aim. You know what it is, though? It's it's Alice being the final girl, being innocent. So everything's going to work out for her. She's got the virginity powers. Yes. So she makes it to the beach, Alice that is makes it to the beach and she's hanging out by the boat she thinks she's finally free for a second because she knocked that woman unconscious because she does check after she hits her in the face with the frying pan bleeding head wound i was just listening to the get out podcast and we talked about this head wounds bleed like a motherfucker doesn't mean the person's dead you got a frying pan in your hand you gotta smash that fucker till you see brain i agree and this also establishes more of the you know the killer will always come back for that one final scare thing and then here we get to kill number 10 yes that's right there's only 10 kills in this movie mrs Voorhees, but not before a little bit of a a little bit of a tussle i call it it's two of them rolling around on the ground for a minute (laughs) it's kind of funny but yeah alice (laughs) alice breaks free and grabs the fucking machete and swings that goddamn thing and cuts her head right off and it is it's kind of funny but it's also really cool looking this is another one where i feel that the unrated version is a solid improvement this i think more than any of the others 
this is the one where the unrated version really shines because after she cuts off Mrs. Voorhees' head, the head falls off and the hands come up into frame and they're kind of like struggling and waving. But in the rated version, in the R-rated version, they cut back to Alice right in the middle of there and then they cut back to the head. I think what it probably was is the MPAA was like, it's too much. You can't just linger on that shot. while that headless neck is spouting blood it's too much but the lingering on the shot really drives it home it really works and then you know of course then the body falls over and boom the end of mrs Voorhees. but yeah the tussle is recut just a little bit but there's no time difference but yeah that scene of those hands coming up and just like grasping at nothing where the head should be is uh it's it's way more effective in the unrated version i felt personally no it is it is uh i, I really like that one the, the blood squirting out it's gross and fun it's a good shot i gave this one uh two out of three for style it's iconic in its own right but uh it's only a friday the 13th kill because it's the first friday the 13th you know it's the climax of the first friday the 13th other than that i don't feel that it's a very friday the 13th kill which is why i only gave it a two out of three it is iconic but just because it's the climax friday the 13th we don't really see that carry forward very much for presentation i gave it a two out of three because the cutting on the decap is wonky but the grasping hands just that's the really good effect um that wonky head thing is is really a product of its time and it hasn't aged well uh and as far as gruesomeness i know i'm jaded uh but i gave it a two out of three because decapitations just aren't as shocking as they used to be you know i'm sure at the time this was considered a very shocking kill probably not as shocking as the arrow through the neck but (laughs) but still you know shocking in its own right but you know nowadays decapitations are just kind of another way to kill somebody in a movie it 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 doesn't generate a lot of horror anymore Uh, let's see um i'll give it a three out of five let's give it three out of five uh deformed zombie (laughs) preteens I assume he was like 12 years old or something. I don't know. Yeah, that sounds about right. I, I assume 10 to 12, you know, somewhere in there. Yeah. Justify your rating. Why three out of five? Because it's not as cool as the arrows, just in general. That's true. But uh, I don't know. I'm, Both of the arrow kills are pretty fucking sweet. I am arbitrarily making up numbers here. <laughs> well, at least you own it. <laughs> Yours was very well thought out, and I'm just over here dicking around like I always do. And this is why we have no fucking patrons, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> sound like my dad pull your head out of your ass andrew oh god he's never said that to me he's called me a little bitch before he called me no one your head out of your ass no one day he called me a stupid little bitch wow so that was nice that's what you want to hear from your dad yeah father of the year over here i am not well because of things but you seem so fucking well adjusted oh i do don't i yeah you seem like really together and like you just live in life and cash and happy checks well for the stuff that i actually do look like i'm happy on i'm trying very very hard sometimes (laughs) (laughs) but mostly i'm pretty happy because I stay away from those fucking crazy people. We're almost done, though. We are almost done. We're not quite. We're not quite there yet. We have to get to the so, second most iconic moment of this movie. Uh, I think, as any normal person would do, after decapitating an old lady, uh, she hops into a boat and floats out onto the lake. Because you know, I mean, that's what any of us would do. And then morning has broken. Uh, I didn't realize this until I watched the behind-the-scenes features, but this is the first time in the movie when music plays when the killer isn't about. Yeah, and that was a con- that was a very conscious decision on the part. <laughs> 
to the composer. The composer said he and Sean Cunningham got together and they said, we're only going to play music when the killer is stalking. Aside from that, there's not going to be any music, but they decided to put music over this part specifically to lure you into a sense that everything was going to be okay and everything was over just so they could drop that one last scare on you. And that is the biggest scare of the movie as far as I'm concerned. The first time I saw this back in, I'm going to say it was 98. <laughs> this this was during my 49 cent a night rentals. Remember, I've, I've told you about them many times. Yep, yep. I rented Friday the 13th and the whole, nothing scared me. Nothing bothered me. Nothing shocked <laughs> me. The, the arrow through the neck, you know, I mean, that got under my skin a little bit, but nothing stuck with me. And then... <laughs> Take us through it. Oh, she's floating on the boat. Like you said, nice music. It's it's pretty. It's it's happy. The cops show up, which I don't fucking know how they even know to come. I don't understand why they're there. <laughs> so that bothered me. They're looking for Ralph again. Oh, maybe. Maybe they are looking for Ralph again. But, you know, she sees the cops and she kind of pokes her head up a little bit. And then everything's okay, right? No, this little mutant monster guy jumps up out of the water and goes, makes a really weird growly noise and grabs her and pulls her into the water from behind. Oh, God, (laughs) it's so fucking terrifying. It, It still chills me to this day. Every time I watch it, it is so goddamn effective. And I'm afraid of water monsters already. I'm afraid of the things lurking in the water beneath me. I will not swim in natural water formations of any kind because I'm afraid of water monsters. And then then I saw this. This fucking movie and like i said when i watched these movies when i would rent these you know five or six movies a night for 49 cents a tape i'd watch them in the middle of the night and i'm alone in my apartment my then wife is at work overnight because she worked nights which is why i stayed up all night so that we would go to bed together in the morning and then this fucking nightmare jumps out of the lake and scares the living shit out of me and i just turned on all the lights in my apartment i i had to just watch late night talk show host comedy for the rest of the night to kind of cool myself out and get it to the point where I wasn't scared shitless to just exist. Best scare of the movie. (laughs) Yes, and probably the most iconic moment aside from that moment, not kill necessarily. That or the arrow. Like, the arrow is the only one that could possibly compare to that. That's some good stuff. That's one of those things you definitely never ever tell people about if they don't know about it oh fuck no you'd have to be a monster to do that to spoil that for him oh my god and to spoil that for yourself that'd be that's fucking funny oh yeah to get to watch somebody who has never seen it. oh jesus when i when i finally get storm to watch this i my eyes are not even gonna be on the screen <laughs> just don't telegraph it too much it, it'll just be the corner of my eyes watching him because we kind of sit at like perpendicular to each other to the t TV, you know like we're at, like there's a 90 degree angle the tv is in the corner and we are on either end of the square or, or the triangle you know so i'll just kind of like watch him out of the corner of my eye <laughs> just like i watched him during the texas chainsaw massacre on the hook scene that movie doesn't do it for me really but that part where they're sitting around the dinner table or whatever that's creepy and that hook thing oh, yeah. is fucked up then again oh, i yeah. haven't the, watched it in a long time the dinner scene is great but storm didn't get anything out of that just because he's so fucking jaded he's like there's no jump scares i'm like you can sign away your parental <laughs> rights i guess <laughs> No, I'm kidding. I love I love the kid, but you know, sometimes I just want to smack him. I don't, but I want to. I agree. I understand completely. So how do, how do we end this fucking thing? Because she's in the hospital bed, right? At and- that point, the movie just peters out. Everything after that yeah. is a letdown. I don't even care anymore. <laughs> Jason may or may not be real, guys. 
in this first movie. I don't think they were 100% sure on that. They just kind of wanted to leave it open. But I have read the original screenplay and none of that was in the original screenplay. They wrote in the stinger with him coming up out of the water after production had started. They were like, we need one more good scare. We really need. And the reason was Carrie. I can't remember who said it in the interviews, but uh, one of them said, yeah, nobody really liked Carrie. I watched Carrie with all of these young people and everybody was talking and laughing and nobody nobody really seemed to give much of a shit about the movie. But there's that final scare where that hand comes up out of the grave and grabs that girl's wrist and everybody screamed and everybody walked out of the movie talking about how great it was. Oh, yep. Yep. I know that. So he was like, that's what we need. And it's totally effective because after that, it's like, fuck it. That was so terrifying. That was such a scary movie. It wasn't really that scary, but it's a great fucking closer. I love a good jump scare, not a good jump scare. Yes. I hate hate the cat thing. Because that's not a good jump scare. You love a good jump scare where there's something to be scared of. Yeah. You got to You got to spend like an hour making people think there's going to be a jump scare, but then not (laughs) having any jump scares. Don't fake me out. And then just all of a sudden, fucking boo. But there has to be a real threat. James Wan is the master. Have you seen Insidious? Yeah, a long time ago, but... That scene in Insidious where they cut from... What's his name? Patrick... It's not Patrick Bateman, but Patrick, Patrick something. Yeah. They cut from him to... Uh, I can't remember. The old lady from Nightmare on Elm Street. And... Oh, I'm like Darth Maul, the fucking creepy monster guy. <laughs> yeah, and then they cut back and fucking Darth Maul's there. And it, <laughs> it's just like, Jesus! Oh, Scared the shit out of me. Still I did does. get that in Horror Pack, though, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, rock solid. I got the first two Conjuring movies, too. That's fun. Those are good. Yeah. Those are good. The spinoffs suck, but the core Conjuring movies were good. Yeah, I, I like the first one. I haven't seen the second one yet. But that's how you got to do it. That's how you got to do a jump scare. Present a real threat. Use that to scare the audience. Mm, you got something good. And this might be the best jump scare of all time. It's definitely one of the least expected because he's fucking dead. He's not supposed to be there. Yeah. Nobody <laughs> saw that shit coming. <laughs> Even me. Even me knowing my jaded, cynical, had watched Scream, knew sh- Mrs. Vore he's was the killer new jason comes back in the sequel even even i didn't see that shit coming you know the funny part about it though i knew it was coming today and for some reason it made me jump a little bit i twitched it's still upsetting to watch (laughs) it's it's effective even when you know it's coming yeah it might be the best jump scare ever i'm not saying there aren't contenders that could knock it down but uh it's definitely top tier so what do you think that pretty much does it for this one that's the movie that's your lot and uh my final thoughts on friday the 13th so like when i'm rating style presentation and gruesomeness style for me is I should have said this at the top of the podcast, but style for me is how quintessentially Friday the 13th is it, you know? Presentation is is how well the presentation is carried out, and then gruesomeness is how horrified would I be to have lived through it, you know, to have had that happen to me, and how shocked does it leave me, you know, to have watched it. So as far as style goes, overall, I got to give this one like a one out of three. I really feel like the only reason this is iconic is because it's the first of the the Friday the 13th franchise, you know? So obviously it's going to be iconic for that reason, but like, honestly, almost nothing carried forward from that tonally and stylistically, the movies change radically with part two. And I know that you don't agree with that. You, you've said you feel like it's kind of just the same movie, but I disagree. I think they change radically once Jason becomes involved. Jason is a totally different kind of killer and the whole premise becomes far more solidified. This one didn't really have it locked down where Whereas starting with part two, 
they really do have like a clear-cut formula for the movies and it really falls into its niche and kind of becomes its own thing whereas this first movie is a little bit of an anomaly you know they didn't know that they were making a franchise whereas with two they did know they were making a franchise that was the whole point was to make a franchise you know so yeah stylistically i'm going to give it a two out of three it's iconic because it's the first one but it's not iconically friday the 13th presentation again i'm going to go two out of three just because um savini's savini's effects are absolutely top notch but uh i think probably due to budgetary and time restraints he didn't get to go hog wild you know and uh, consequently some of the kills are pretty lackluster and some of the acting is pretty bad now now granted that is a staple of friday the 13th in its own way but with the acting being as uneven as it was with some people actually being kind of good you know bacon you know bacon's bacon and you know he's delicious always uh, and then some of it being laughably bad. It's just a really uneven experience. And then uh, gruesomeness. I'll, I'll go two out of three because some of those kills were were pretty fantastic. But overall, it wasn't terribly shocking or anything like that. So yeah, like overall, this movie is a really solidly a two out of three for me. I don't know if I have a number rating, maybe three out of five, but I don't have anything clever to tack on to that one. But uh, watching it again, I do like this movie. Obviously, I'll end up having to watch the second one again to see. I haven't seen the third one yet. It's just by the synopsis. It just sounds like they're all the same. Have you not seen the third one at all? No, I've only now seen the first two and I saw Jason Goes to Hell when I was a little kid. And then I saw Jason X and Freddy vs. Okay. Jason in the remake. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. Okay, cool. So it's going to be a lot of new experiences in this one for so, you. Yeah, I I really don't have a history with this franchise other than the few movies that I've watched. My history no. with the franchise is very, uh, very tied to that period in my life with the 49 cent movie <laughs> rentals because I rented all of the movies that were out at that time, which I think was up through Jason X. I think the first 10 were out by then. But I fucking love Jason X. I think that movie's awfully fun. <laughs> yeah, it, it's awful and it's fun. Uh, but the, like the funny thing was I had to search a lot of different video stores to find all of them because you know this is back in the vhs tape days and sometimes the tapes would get worn out and they wouldn't always get reissued you know so like the video store i went to would have one three and five but then if i wanted to find two i had to go to a video store across town um you know and there were a lot of video stores back in those days but i had to hunt through a lot of them because you know stock was it, it you're, you're talking about it's the late 90s and videotapes have been out for you know going on 20 years so you have a good stock of potential movies and a lot of these places had just sprung up in the last few years so you know they didn't have exhaustive stocks and they mostly just stocked the super super popular stuff and the horror sections in some of these places could be very spare <laughs> there was a really cool video store i found that had a horror section that was top tier but it was also the most expensive video store in town yeah that would, that sounds right but i did end up uh, filling all my gaps at that video store that was where i found i finally found a copy of the original evil dead uh because i couldn't find that at any of the popular video stores this you know expensive underground place was the only place that had a copy we'll get more into my history with video stores in subsequent episodes but uh that period in my life was really my friday the 13th golden age i guess this is going to be my friday the 13th golden age holy fuck everybody just got home <laughs> <laughs> well i guess that's a good time to call it then yeah hey i think that's it so since this is a patreon preview why don't you motherfuckers go to our patreon at patreon.com slash sharks hollywood 
and you can subscribe and we're going to throw some more stuff up there. It'll happen eventually. We're just, you know, busy and lazy all at the same time. But for 2021, if you want to hear the rest of this series, if you want to hear us go through all 12 of the Friday the 13th movies, that still irks me that there's not 13 of them. <laughs> if you want to hear us go through all 12 of them, you will have to hop over and subscribe to our Patreon at any level. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Uh, you can also follow us on social media on everything at the Shark Pod and audibletrial.com slash Hollywood. I think it's still active. I haven't checked in a while, so <laughs> I guess that's a toss-up. Next week, we'll come at you with something else that's going to be weird and shit. Do we know what next week is going to be? It depends on when this one actually gets finished. All right, so hey, until next time, stay awesome. Jason.